1: Hello again, friends. Welcome to Gamecock Central Radio. It's Emerson Phillips joined by Mark Passwaters from AggieYale.com. Mark is the publisher of AggieYale.com, and he's going to bring us the Texas A&M perspective today going into the South Carolina A&M game Saturday night on the SEC Network. Mark, good to have you today. How are you? Doing fine, Emerson. How about yourself? Everything's good, man. We're excited about this ball game Saturday night, even though you know the Gamecocks have never beaten Texas A&M. The new permanent SEC West opponent has proven to be a real problem for South Carolina, and that figures to continue Saturday night, Mark. Well, yeah, I mean, it's interesting if you had played this game three
0: weeks ago i'd probably think carolina had a much better shot at winning the ball game you know they, they were looking good after taking out nc state a and m was obviously looking its wounds after a humiliating collapse against ucla but the last couple of weeks with the injuries that uh, the gamecocks have suffered and uh kellen Mond really coming together as a, a stable and rapidly improving quarterback for a and m i think that uh you know the the odds are now in A&M's favor, and I, I tend to lean in that direction.
1: So, Mond, the freshman from San Antonio, started after the UCLA game. Take us through the season to this point. Mark, everybody saw the A&M loss. The, they blew the huge lead against UCLA. And just take us through the season. Mond became the starter after that game, and A&M has not lost since. They've won three in a row. Well, yeah. I
0: mean, he kind of had to become the starter because Nick Starkle, who played pretty darn well in the first half of that game against UCLA, Broke his ankle, and he's probably going to be out for another month or so at least. And Jake Cuban, the veteran quarterback of the bunch, the red shirt senior, uh, wasn't really able to play. So they were in a a really, really serious situation. And when you look at things, Mon came in, and he was 3 of 17 for 27 yards. And, I mean, at that point, you're thinking, oh, boy, this season is already lost. This is a disaster. Uh, yeah, he just looked really glum for a and But since then, week after week, Mond has really progressed. Uh, against Louisiana Lafayette, admittedly not the, the toughest of opponents, but still a, an, an FC, FBS team, uh, he became the first A&M quarter, true freshman quarterback in history to throw for 300 yards. Uh, and then he uh, had 325 yards of total offense against Arkansas last weekend. It just seems like things are things are slowing down for him. He's getting more acclimated with his receivers, the speed of the college game, and all that. And you're talking about the guy who was Rival's number one dual-threat quarterback in the country in this last class. So he's got the talent, and now it looks like all of a sudden he's really starting to put it together.
1: So Mond threw for over 200 yards, ran for over 100 in the overtime win over Arkansas on Saturday, a 50-43 to 43, Texas A&M win to improve the Aggies to 3-1. and one. And... Mark, I was reading some of your work on AggieYale.com, and you said that he made maybe the best pass that he's made as an Aggie with the touchdown pass in overtime, and it sounded like he played a real good ball game. Yeah, he was really solid. You take a look at it,
0: and obviously Arkansas was going to try to pressure him, bring a bunch of different looks, uh, you know, just basically make him feel inadequate, like he is a true freshman. And they did. They threw a lot of things at him. But he handled it very, very well. Uh, One thing that I really like about him, and ironically enough, he does this better than a a redshirt senior in Trevor Knight last year, is when he's under pressure, he does not look down or start looking to run. He continues to go through his progression. He's got enough sense in the pocket that he knows where everybody is, and he's able to kind of move around. And he did that very well against Arkansas. Uh, He threw an 81-yard touchdown pass on the run to Kirk. Uh, he made several very nice throws. You know when the pocket was collapsing, he has shown that he can handle things under pressure. And just as one week has gone on to the next, you see something different from him each time. Uh, last week it was, you know, when he was getting blitzed, he was making the right read, the hot read, getting the ball out quickly. Uh, he's he's starting to run that run pass option that A and M has used the last couple of years. Uh, And he did that very, very nicely. Uh, He had, honestly, a touchdown called back by a horrible call. That would have been a 90-yard run. Uh, So you're you're talking about a guy who was thrust into a really tough situation. And honestly, I don't think he's going to be ready for it. But he's starting to really prove people wrong. And uh, if he continues to improve at this rate, he's going to be an upper echelon quarterback sooner as opposed to later.
1: Mobile quarterbacks have killed the Gamecocks in recent years, so Kellen Mond will make his fourth start for Texas A&M this Saturday night when the Gamecocks head to College Station. Mark, uh, Christian Kirk, is he the best player in the SEC? Is he the best player in the country?
0: Uh, I don't know if he's the best player in the country, but he's certainly the most exciting one. You take a look at this guy on big plays for touch, it's kind of ridiculous. Uh, you know, taking away fair catches on punts because nobody will now kick to him after he returned three punts for touchdowns last year. Uh the guy had eight touches against Arkansas and scored three touchdowns. I mean, that's just an amazing rate. Uh, when the guy gets the ball in his hands, if you don't have him pinned to the sideline or triple-team, he can do something amazing. I mean, the, the kickoff return that he took back against Arkansas, he, you know, not only saved A&M's neck, it was with a new blocking scheme. They made that up on the fly uh, in the second half of that game, and he not only read it right, but the blocks were right, and then he was just gone. Uh, it, it was absolutely amazing, and then to sit there and run the pattern that he did on the, the touchdown and overtime, Arkansas should have known that was coming because it was the exact same one that he ran and beat him on two years ago. Same part of the end zone, same route, you know, same everything. It, but when it matters, the guy just gets loose. He, he's really remarkable, and uh, you know, he's something that you know, a And M has had the, the pleasure of having the most exciting player in football twice in the last five years after probably never having him before. And they may never have him again, honestly, but, you know, Kirk just does things that, you know, you just simply do not expect a player to do.
1: Kirk coming off a three-touchdown performance in that overtime win over Arkansas last Saturday at Jerry World. And, Mark, he recorded his 20th career touchdown reception in 30 games now. That moves him up to fourth on Texas A&M's all-time list. And he's also got six touchdowns via return, punt return or kickoff return. You mentioned that nobody would punt to him after three return TDs last year, so Sumlin put him on kickoff return and he took one to the house against Arkansas. Yeah,
0: and that was the first kickoff return that AN has had for a touchdown since Corey L. Judy ran one back against Baylor. And I would not expect anybody in South Carolina to know that name, you know, because nothing ever really came of him. But you're, you're talking about not only more than a half a decade ago, but a different conference. So for him to come in and do what he's done, uh, you know, is just amazing. And everybody knows the, the guy to, to take care of is Kurt, but he just finds a way. And as time goes on and Damian Ratley and Jamal Osbon become more of a threat in the passing game, you know, in turn, Kirk's probably going to become more dangerous.
1: Mark Keith Ford had two touchdown runs against Arkansas, and the A&M offense appears to be very balanced. Yeah,
0: they're real balanced. Uh, honestly, uh, Ford is was the guy who really came through this weekend. But the home run hitter is uh, Travion Williams, who is somebody that uh, I'm sure Carolina fans remember from last year. He was kind of banged up last week, but he gutted it out and still had 72 yards. But the depth that AM has at running back is elite. It's probably as deep as anybody has in the country. Uh, with Ford, with Williams. Williams is the guy I think who could be an All-American easily. He's going to end up a first-round draft pick, probably. Uh, but you have Kendall Bussey, who is a kid that I've loved for several years, uh, who just really didn't get much of a chance until lately, and he's come in and put up big numbers. And then they, <laughs> they get they get banged up enough that they go to a four-stringer, a true freshman named Jacob Cabody, and all he does is run for 100 yards and four carries, including a 67-yard touchdown against Louisiana Lafayette. So they've got a lot of depth, and that's something that really helps out Maude, especially, because you take a look at that, and you know it just takes a lot of pressure off a true freshman quarterback, because he knows that odds are he's not going to have to go out and win the game by himself because he's got a lot of weapons to work
1: with. Gamecock Central Radio, Emerson Phillips with Mark Passwaters. Mark is the publisher of AggieYale.com, and he's bringing us the – Texas A&M perspective today we invite you to download the Gamecock Central radio app it's on the app store and on google play we got this phone app that allows you to listen to our podcast on your cell phone or mobile device subscribe to our podcast search for Gamecock Central radio on iTunes SoundCloud and other popular services or just visit radio.gamecockcentral.com and we hope you'll take advantage of the Gamecock Central hotline we've set up this new phone number that allows you to call in and be a part of our podcast you can call the number Leave us a voice message and we'll play a recording of your voice on a future edition of Gamecock Central Radio. Call in and submit your questions. Wes Mitchell and Chris Clark will answer them. Call the GC hotline 497-9058. That's 803-497-9058. Call the Gamecock Central hotline get involved with Gamecock Central's podcast. So Mark, talk about the A&M defense. I know Arkansas gashed a&M for some big plays, but reading your work on Aggiel.com this week, it wasn't consistent yardage by Arkansas. You know, they would get stuffed a couple of plays, but then hit a 30-yard play, you said. Yeah, they,
0: uh, it was a lot of gash plays. You take a look at it, especially in the passing game. Austin Allen had 92 yards passing going into the fourth quarter. He ended up with 229. And that has been a continuing bugaboo for A&M. It's giving up big yards in the fourth quarter when they have a lead. Uh, I don't know if it's just John Chavis letting off the gas, which is my uh, my suspicion, or they just get tired. But they, that's something that happened against UCLA, happened last weekend, and it's something that they're eventually going to have to look in the mirror and say, okay, that's enough because this is going to cost us more ballgames. You know, you take a look at last year uh, against UCLA and Tennessee. ANF had big leads in the fourth quarter. Going, uh, both of those games had blew them and had to win in overtime. You know, they didn't have that luxury this time in Pasadena, and they just really have to get out of that habit because once you know, SEC play is here, your margin for error is down to zero. And uh, that's something that they've seriously got to address.
1: Seven thirty kickoff Saturday night at College Station for the Gamecocks and the Aggies. Both teams are three and one. A and M lost to UCLA forty five to forty four, lost that big lead against the Bruins, but A and M has come back to win three straight over Nichols, Louisiana Lafayette and Arkansas. The Gamecocks 3-1, and one, but really struggled to beat the Louisiana Tech Saturday at Williams-Brice. And the Gamecocks obviously dealing with a lot of injuries right now. Two starting offensive linemen out this week against Texas A&M, Zach Bailey and Corey Helms. And Debo Samuel, obviously the Gamecocks' big playmaker out for the foreseeable future as well. We don't know if he's going to return this year or not, but it doesn't look good for Debo Samuel. So, you know, Mark, it feels like these two teams are moving in different directions right now. A&M appears to be getting better I know it was devastating for AM to lose that huge lead against UCLA, but uh, I thought it was interesting, before we started the podcast today, you said that Kevin Sumlin is really squarely on the hot seat. He's probably going to have to win out this year to keep his job. I found that interesting. Yeah,
0: he's, uh, he's in curious trouble. Uh, losing that UCLA game was a, a big, big deal, uh, especially the way it happened, arguing that Jay Cubanek was available when a lot of us knew that he wasn't. Uh, that kind of harkened back to the 2015 when he threw Kyle Allen, the starting quarterback then, under the bus, uh, saying that he was available and could play when really, you know, shouldn't have and couldn't have. Uh, you know, he left him out there against Ole Miss when he had a separated shoulder. Uh, you know, then he went to Kyler Murray, which ended up being a massive disaster. He beat, uh, beat South Carolina and Kyle Field, and after that, everything he did was bad. Uh, and he ended up losing both quarterbacks, and that that started that really started the unpopularity issues with someone. And for him to sit there and, and obstinately say Hubenak was available when he, uh, against UCLA when he wasn't, or clearly would have played, um, you know, that just infuriated a lot of people. He's made the wrong people angry, if that makes any sense. And when you throw a half a billion dollars into a program like a and fan base has. In the last several years, I mean, you take a look at the renovations to Kyle Field, all the football facilities are state-of-the-art, you know, top of the line. You know, 8-5 is not going to do it. 8-5 shouldn't do it. I mean, there's just been too much money invested in this program for people to settle for, you know, good old mediocrity and coming to see the Aggie Band. And I think that if he doesn't show significant improvement, and I'm not talking about, oh, this is a young team, we go 8-5 again. Uh, No, that's not going to hack it. You're going to have to win nine games, ten games. You're going to have to prove you can beat an Alabama or an LSU. If you don't do those things, your support base is zero. So he's really, really got to prove people wrong and basically buck some trends that he is creating here in the next few weeks. I mean, you look at it. Okay, you got South Carolina. If you beat the Gamecocks, and they're the favorite, okay, you're 4-1. That's great. Who's next? Alabama. Who starts the tailspin just about every year? Alabama. Hmm. So, you know, crunch time is here for the Aggie. Yep. And if someone doesn't perform, then, you know, he's out the door.
1: Yeah, A&M's got Alabama at Kyle Field next week, and then they head to Gainesville on October the 14th before the bye week. So a key stretch of games here for Texas A&M that could go a long way toward determining the future of Kevin Sumlin at uh, Texas A&M. Mark, interesting stuff today. We appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us on Gamecock Central Radio. My pleasure. All right, that's Mark Passwaters, publisher of AggieYell.com, and he's bringing us the Texas A&M perspective today. We appreciate Mark's time, and we thank you for joining us. I'm Emerson Phillips. This is Gamecock Central Radio.